0: Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every
1: day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale.
0: Put my political hat on and uh, do some uh, navel gazing and analysis of the upcoming municipal general election and the best guy to do this with is ben spagan he's a contributing editor of the eerie reader uh ben thank you so much for joining us hey joel
1: you're one of the best guys to have this conversation with i'm excited to be here thanks for having me back it is an exciting time municipal elections what could be more exciting (laughs) i'm I'm here to actually breathe some energy into this because i'm sure we'll get to it lower voter turnout at municipal elections and other elections but my gosh, these are the folks that are governing in your own backyard. Uh, this is the, the most important elections as far as I'm concerned. So excited to run through the ballot with you, take a look at some of the key races. Uh, always a pleasure to be here, Joel. Well,
0: and, and people need to understand this because honestly, uh, it's very rare that the president or the, uh, you know, or even your, your senator has a direct impact on your life. But you know what? If you live in Harbor Creek Township, that Harbor Creek Township Supervisor has significant, uh, you know, uh, significant influence on whether your kids are going to find a job. What kind of, sc- you know, that school director would have uh, impact on the quality of your school. Uh, I, I, I mean, it's just, I mean, it, this is this is super important stuff that we're talking about here and so I, I hope that people will get uh get with it as far as the the spirit of the conversation we're not able to take any phone calls but you can send me text if you have some questions and, or opinions to add in at uh, 814-679-1080 and the next i'll promise you this too ben next time that you're on we're gonna have that fixed because we got a nice piece of equipment to be able to to take calls while we have people on zoom all right let's let's um Let's let's kind of do an overview um, of the general election. Uh, what do you feel that in the in the era of mail-in voting that we will still have low turnout?
1: You know, that's the one thing that folks are hoping that we're going to see a change, you know, by making the democratic process uh, an easier one by lowering any of the barriers of getting to the polls, because we know, look in in the United States, this isn't a federal holiday, folks have to work election day, Uh, folks have to if they have children, they've got to pick them up, they've got to get them from school, they've got all sorts of other things to do. So you know one of the conveniences is now act 77 that was passed by uh, uh governor tom wolf back in 2019 the no excuses mail-in ballots and uh you know not being able to take a true look at that because of the impact of the pandemic when a lot of folks just switched to mail-in ballots because of the pandemic we haven't really been able to see does how does this naturally affect voter turnout from folks getting to the polls uh, to really driving up elections. So it's an exciting time to watch a municipal election now uh, happening in 2021 to see if we're going to see more mail-in ballots. Uh, we didn't necessarily see that at the primary. You know, we are still under 30% in Erie County for overall voter participation. Uh, one of the other key things, and, uh, you know, I'm, I, despite it being a negative for me here, I'm going to chalk it up as an overall win because I want more people to practice their democracy, is we don't get to live tweet election results the night up. <laughs> no. Now, I mean, we can still pontificate and mm. we can still look at where it's headed Count but on it. we're not, yeah, we're going to do that, but yeah. we can't call elections the night of. Now, I mean, we can call the mayoral race for the city of Erie. Yeah, Mayor Joe Schember doesn't have a challenger on the Republican, uh, the Republican side of the ballot. So, you know, he's going to win. We can call that election right now. But it takes a little bit of time to count those. So, you know, I would caution voters to anticipate a few days of being able to process all of that at the Erie County uh, Courthouse. But the hope would be, Joel, that we're going to see that go up. I think because of the disruption of the pandemic, we don't know yet the true impact uh, as we return to voting in person, but also have that additional option to mail it in to get mail-in ballots and of course you don't have to actually mail it in you can drive up to the courthouse and just drop it right in that bin so you've got multiple ways to get that ballot back in the mail one is usps and of course cautioning people these days allow for extra time because there are significant delays with the united states postal service Um, but you can drive right up to the courthouse and drop it right in the box we've seen the local spots on tv where the reporters are out there they're talking about it people are dropping in ballots that way so I think you will see an uptick in that. I think that as we become more normalized to this process, uh, more folks will see the convenience of it and believe in it and make a move toward it. I'll tell you right now, I I've done mail-in ballot. I prefer it. It's one less thing I have to worry about driving myself to the polls, getting to the polls. Is there going to be a line? Is there not going to be a line? Do I have to check in? If I can do it from the comfort of my kitchen table it makes it easy for me. I I've been doing mail-in since it's been an option.
0: It's interesting. Um, I, I, I'm, I know that they wanted to have the legislature change the rules so that that mail-in ballots could start being canvassed before 7 o'clock the morning of Election Day. Are you aware if that change ever happened, Ben? I don't think it went through you,
1: Joel. Honestly, mm. I'd have to I'd have to double back on that. But yeah. I know that was one of the challenges too. Is the you know you're sitting on you know stacks and stacks of envelopes, and, and you can't open them until election day to then count them. So it's not like other states uh, that have been doing this longer than the state of Pennsylvania, where as they're received, they're tallied. Now we don't get access to those results until election day, but right. that would certainly speed up the process of knowing perhaps the evening of, you know, day of the election, uh, knowing the outcome of critical races. Uh, but at this point, we can't start counting those until election day. And so that really gums up the process, slows things down. And, and we saw that in the primary. And we sure thought did. it was a, a contested election on the Democratic side for uh, the Erie County executive race. And the rep- Republican race, we knew the outcome the night of. The, the margin was just too wide uh, for Sean uh, Robleski to catch up to Brenton Davis but we knew that, that that margin was slim between Carl Anderson and Ty- Tyler Titus and and so we didn't know the results of that election and and until you know the following day following couple of days uh, while it was being certified
0: yeah it seemed like it was Thursday and and then really took almost a Friday um the the, the issue you know Florida seems to know how to do this whereas they're allowing the, the, the open and the canvassing as the, as the mail-in ballots come in, and then they just keep calculating them out. All right, let's go to the top of the ballot. Um, uh, I, I'm not sure we know much about these uh, these court races. You have a, one Supreme Court justice, you have a Superior Court justice, and two Commonwealth Court justices. And this is where if we had the old uh, you know pull, pull the straight ballot lever – that's when you would do that right yeah so uh,
1: pennsylvania is still uh you know we can still do that in uh straight party ticket voting in pennsylvania where you can just walk in and you can click republican whoop, and you fill out your ballot and you're voting all republican you can still do that for democrats uh as as well both parties um uh you know independent, i thought they got rid candidates. of that with 77 i thought that was gone now well, I don't think I don't think so. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to be surprised if it is. I, I, I think, think it's I think gone. Ben. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, that was
0: that That's was it. what the Republican wanted. It the the, the the Democrats or the governor wanted mail-ins. The Republicans wanted get rid of straight ticket because they thought if we can get our people listed together, it it would uh, it would make a difference somehow.
1: Well, and it, it was, so number one, what it encourages is more thoughtful actual process that you're not just going in and voting straight party that you're saying, okay, I like one Democrat, so I'm voting for all Democrats, or I like one Republican, so I'm voting for all Republicans. You know, it's okay to vote for people that are not your party. I mean, we're a closed primary state. You know, you can yeah. only vote for the party you're registered for in the primaries, which really locks out independents from the entire process because if you don't have an independent on the ballot, you can't vote for anybody. So, you know, if you if you identify as an independent or a third party candidate, you're really locked out of Pennsylvania's primaries. You know, it's really just for Republicans and Democrats, but then opens up in the general election. Um, so it certainly encourages people to be more thoughtful and to take a look at these candidates a little more seriously and not just pick one and run with the rest. So uh, if that's gone, I think that's a win. I'm going <clears> to <throat> i might have learned something today. Joel, you're teaching me something.
0: <laughs> let's let's cover county executive as best we can. Uh, Tyler Titus, Brenton Davis, a lot of money in this race. I I feel like this is um, Laughlin Slomsky all over again.
1: So it, it, it's a big race, and and it's big for several reasons. One of which it is the marquee race um, because there's not a challenger in the City of Erie mayoral race. Now, if we rewind back to uh, 2017, you know we were heralding the City of Erie mayor as like the most important election, right? And that's where we focused a lot of, of attention. A lot of people were talking about that simply because uh, uh, Joe Sinnott had termed out, so it was a wide open seat. And actually, the county executive seat was also up. That's when Kathy Kemper, the incumbent uh, Democrat, uh, won re-election against Art Olegieri. Uh, but that was like the other marquee race, you know, because so much attention was being paid to the the city of Erie mayor mayor's race. Uh, now, without there being a challenger, this is the race. And the other reason it's the race is you don't have an incumbent. So the seat's totally up for grabs. And, you know, now it's either, uh, you know, do the Dems hold on to it? Uh, Was Tyler Titus or do the Republicans take it? Uh, And they haven't done that in 20 years. So, you know, in a way, history could stand to be made by having a Republican uh, seat that has not been held by a Republican for two decades now. It uh, was Rick Shanker,
0: right? I mean, Shanker was the last one.
1: Right, right, and there are only two, you know. So they're mm-hmm. they're vying to become the seventh uh, county executive. Which, of course, you know, in Erie, Pennsylvania, we know it so well because we live it. You know, we have the home rule charter and we have a strong mayor form of government, even though it's called a county executive, where you have you know the executive branch and then you have a council, uh, as opposed to having uh, county commissioners. You know, three that would function. You know, similar and analog would be the township supervisors. Right. So you'd have three of them that would do all of it. Uh, here we have a different form of government, uh, uh, Russell Robinson was the first county executive was a Republican, uh, and then it was Judy Lynch, uh, Dr Judy Lynch for uh, 20 years, five terms, um, and then uh, we saw another Republican and then it's been Democrats holding off back and forth now. Erie has been fickle about this seat. You know, uh, the city of Erie will pick a mayor and settle in for the most part. Uh, And and we're seeing that with now Schember getting a second term. Um, You know, we're we're liking the direction we're headed. We're gonna keep this person, we're not gonna oust them. We did see some back and forth in primaries, you know, and and Kathy Dahlkemper unseated Barry Grossman in a primary. So it's an exciting race because, you know, we're looking at what's happening. And like you mentioned, uh, outside money coming in, you know, so there are people outside of Erie County that are interested in the outcome of this race. Which should surprise no one, you know, because for how many election cycles now do we hear that Erie County is a bellwether county and a bellwether state? So we're a bellwether county in a bellwether state of pennsylvania and so if either party has the ability to tip the scales and influence and by infusing more money into a campaign or working through a pack to take out more advertisements it shouldn't be shocking to see that people want to pay attention to this and want to invest in this race and that's not to say that local money is not being raised local money is being raised to this race Um, But now, not just the eyes of Erie County are upon Erie County, really the eyes of the nation are upon Erie County. And we've seen that election cycle again and again, especially with this last presidential election in 2020. You know, We were one of the counties to watch, according to The Hill. And everybody watched this county. We were watching the state of Pennsylvania. That was in play for days after the election as votes were being counted. So it's a surprising time. This is really the midterm before the midterms, right? We're looking to see what the midterm reaction is going to be to a presidential election. We get to do it a year early here in Erie, Pennsylvania with a, a key race in the county executive race.
0: It, it's interesting uh, to me, again, uh, there is there is a lot of at least outside of Erie County. There is a lot of emphasis on the historical nature of Tyler Titus's run. And uh, uh, to, especially to those that are interested in LBGTQ um uh, situation uh, you know that that issue and uh, the advancement of of those that you know that are in politics and so um, but you don't hear much about that here locally um, uh, but uh, you know Tyler was uh, was tweeting out last yesterday about hey this is the last day that you can bring in some money before the the fundraising deadline and so uh, a- as a historic figure. So I'm just I guess I'm wondering, you know, is that uh, is it is it playing a role, the historic nature of their run or not really? Uh,
1: I I don't see it playing a a front-leading role. It's hard not to acknowledge something uh, when we have a chance to make history. I think the same way that we looked at Erie making history when uh, aforementioned Judy Lynch became the first woman uh, to be county executive. And uh, the same could be said about Joyce Savacchio, when she became the first woman to be mayor in the city of Erie, the only woman to be the mayor of the city of Erie in its entire history. But I think both of them, if you look at how they ran their campaigns, they weren't running as... As women, they're running as candidates. And I think that's what Titus is doing as well. They are running as a candidate. And this is trying to steer the perception away from being a single issue candidate that people would rally around simply because this. Now they do stand to make history, they already have. They were the first transgender person to be elected uh, uh, to office uh, school board uh, for the state of Pennsylvania. So that, that was an historic night stand to make another it would be the nationally the first uh, person to be to be elected to a county executive role uh, so yes Erie county can set history with this but they are not running a, a campaign that's that's grounded in just that or a focus on that and I think that's where they're trying to focus more on policy with uh, issues and and really run as a candidate not a adjective than candidate the right. same way that lynch and Savaccio did not run as women as candidates, women candidates. They, they, they ran as candidates
0: i am interested uh, aj rayo has been doing some great reporting in the <coughs> times news about about this race and the the an article that that literally came out this week was the idea of the ages of uh tyler titus and brenton davis it is our first millennial uh candidates uh, uh, to any like high level degree i mean you don't even see this at the supervisor level really um what's your thoughts i i mean i guess here here's here's my thinking i'm wondering if the old politicos which there are a lot here in erie are maybe a little disappointed that the torch has passed too soon i would think you would disagree
1: i, I well i would hope that, you know, that, that is not the, so I I would hope that's not the case. And clearly you can make positives and negatives. So youth obviously can be linked to inexperience, uh, but youth can also be linked to energy and vibrancy. And and so I think you can make a case for either, Um, you know, here, I think what the interesting thing is, no matter what, you know, we're getting a millennial candidate. When we saw millennials knocking on the door in 2017 for the mayoral race. We saw Jay Brenneman and we saw Bob Mursky. You know, we saw two young candidates, you know, try to make their way into the election who I, I think divided a good chunk of the vote. And we ran some of the numbers as well. And I think that, you know, in, in a, a shocking surprise, was Ruby Jenkins husband taking some of uh, the wards in the precincts that she did that may have gone to either of them uh, that actually helped propel Schember forward in, in that primary. And we saw John Persinger, you know, emerge on the Republican ticket, another young candidate. So it's not the first time we're seeing young people run for office. Uh, so it's exciting. You know, n- no matter what the outcome is, we're gonna get a younger person. And, and uh, these two are not the only young people on the ballot. Uh, you see uh, Lydia lath running for county uh, county council seat, uh, also a, a younger person. You see school board. Uh, you see you see it across the board. But of course, this is the marquee race. And like we said, no matter what the outcome, you're getting a 30-something. Uh, so it's an exciting but, time to.
0: Does it mean that the sixty-five plusers may be uh, uh, underwhelmed and maybe would suppress turnout?
1: Uh it it could. You know, I, I'm not going to say that it wouldn't. Um, you know, I think that you're going to see your super voters turn out no matter what. It's really hard to to, to keep super voters away from the ballot box. And, We're and just
0: compelled. It. We're compelled to go to the. To yeah, do it in like, person, even you know, if we can't yeah, it,
1: it's like it's hard not to, you know, yeah. like some some folks, it's just you know, like this is their democratic duty. They're gonna do it, you know, come heck or high water, you know, yep. they're they're gonna vote. So I don't think it'll necessarily turn people away. I think you're seeing this nationally. You know, you're seeing younger people run for office because you know, particularly the millennial generation of which I'm I'm one uh you've you've experienced some things right like a great recession uh you know decades-long wars overseas now a pandemic if if those things can't call you into civic life to want to affect change whether you're running for office or volunteering on boards or you're helping support campaigns i don't know what would you know and i think that's where you're seeing millennials become more and more engaged in local politics and I would say too put you know, I'm gonna switch my Eerie Reader hat off for a second here and put it back, you know, put on my Jefferson Educational Society hat and say, look, in, in 2015, we started the Jefferson Educational Society Civic Leadership Academy. Yeah. And while we don't directly encourage people to run for office, you know, we teach them the form and function of municipal government, which I love. I get excited about. You know, i I could be a character on Parks and Rec day, day after day for this kind of stuff. <laughs> and we get people excited about that. And now we're actually seeing folks that have gone through that program actually run for office and seek office you know we're that's just encouraging them goal. to be more active absolutely you know we're that's encouraging them to be more active participants in their own democracy and if that's the form it takes and the shape it takes then you know but that's a great thing so i think that's why we're also seeing more young people really feel called to something in in erie and right now it's you know younger people are driving change i mean even look at the business sector you know for for years i heard you know coffee shops just aren't going to make it downtown you got Hannah Kirby, yeah, a young person, yep. op- opens a great coffee mm-hmm. shop that is surviving a pandemic in Ember and Forge. So you're seeing people do that. OK,
0: I'll put my pundit hat back on with Eerie well, Reader. Re- real quick, though, I, what is the prevailing issue in this race? I got less than a minute here. What, what do you oh. think? It's, is it ARP money? Is it the the idea of running this huge conglomerate of, of departments in a half a half a billion dollar budget?
1: Yeah, so I, I think the number one uh, county government is service oriented, you know, provides services. And it, 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 you know, funds are funneled through from the state level to be dispersed at the local level. That's important to know. So it's really managing the county. And that's an important thing to recognize. The ARP funding is certainly critical. That's going to be the biggest thing I think locally that people should be looking at. But I think that nationally people are it's going to be hard not to take a look at this to say, what's the reaction to Biden Trump and how does that influence this election locally? Do we see people actually tuned up uh, to want to have a an early midterm swing?
0: We could talk uh, county executive for another half an hour, but we've got to move forward. Yeah, we, we, we certainly can. And uh, <clears throat> you heard it here first,
1: all politics is national. Uh, we, and we can come back to that at the close of it. But yeah, yes. there are a lot of elections out there. And I, I actually think that because there's there are so many various seats up for grabs back to one of your earlier points, Joel, like our voters going to turn out, you know, because the marquee race features two young people, I think they're still going to turn out for, you know, other people. And I think that it's not often that you find people in the ballot box just voting for one race. You know, folks, once they're in there, they're in there and they're going to start voting. You know, so I think you're going to see that. And and county council is an exciting place to look.
0: Oh, absolutely. All right. So let's go there. Uh, Second District of County Council, Andre Horton is running unopposed. We go to the fourth district, which is kind of East Erie. And I think uh, you guys in Wesleyville have uh, um, with Narsky versus Gustomski. Um, I'm not sure there's much of a race there, Ben, in the fourth yes. So, I mean, it's, it's been democratically
1: held for a while, so I think Wynarski goes in, uh, you know, the favorite, and he's the recognizable name in Erie, having been on city council, uh, and, and the important thing to note here is that uh, so Andre Horton is going to be your elder statesman on, yeah. on council uh, in, in the second district, and clearly the second district approves of him, he doesn't have a challenger he's going to go through. Uh, this is an even year, you know, to an even election cycle because we rotate evens and odds. And so this this time we're looking at the evens. Um, what's important to know with for is that, uh, you know, that 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 would have been could have been Carl Anderson. But yes. Carl Carl Anderson decides to run for county executive and loses in the primary race and and now leaves the seat open. You know, and, and Carl only served, served one term there, currently the chair of, of council. Um, prior to that, you had Jay Brenham in there, uh, you know, for one term, uh, you know, so it, it's, it's been a higher turnover in the fourth district. So it will be interesting to see who goes there purely looking at the numbers, you know, the Democrats favored and name recognition favors the Democrat, but, you know, don't hold your breath on it. You know, it was, uh, you know, a, a bit of a mixed turnout, um, you know, Wynarski won by, you know, 400 votes, I think, you know, against uh, a couple of good contenders there, uh, Republicans, um. It was an uncontested. Uh, you know, there were some write-ins, but it was uncontested on the Republican side. So it'll be interesting to watch that.
0: The the big race in county council is uh, to the south, the, sis- the sixth district, and Lydia Lath uh, against uh, Samuel Charles Bale, the fourth, Charlie Bale. Um, again, Charlie beating the uh, incumbent Rastatter, right? right and he was a one-term representative as well so again this is you're
1: going to see the highest rate of turnover on county council you've ever seen and we mentioned the ARP funds you know already so that's why council's fast at work right now to get a plan in motion um, because some of these folks are coming in wet behind the ears you know they're a little green because you know they might not have held a county uh, county level position before um you know but it was really interesting seeing the incumbent ousted in the primary uh by the challenger it's a it's a district that swings more republican but Lydia Leith uh, ran an aggressive campaign in the primary <clears throat> notched a, a fair amount of votes she was only uh, you know i want to, less than 100 votes total behind bail uh, in, in in the turnout uh, but really trounced her competition in, in the primary and she's got billboards out. She's been campaigning, uh, really working the area, um, you know, another younger person, you know, running a young campaign. So I think that uh, we can see some coalition building out there in it's terms gonna,
0: of. Well, I was going to say, it's going to be interesting to see uh, because the Edinburgh, the Edinburgh part of that district will probably lean democratic maybe, but really I think it, it's one or loss in Corey and, and I think that's that's my take on that district. You know, to see who is feeling that they're getting the love in the southeastern portion of the county.
1: Yeah, and, and that's really interesting that you bring up Corey because Corey has a, a, a city council race uh, that, that matters. I think in this, um, you're looking for um, <clears throat> Chelsea, Chelsea Oliver. Uh, okay. And, and she, she ran a, a good race uh, in the primary, um, you know, brought in 210 votes for a Democrat. So you'll see her vying for one of the spots. Uh, she's been running an active campaign as well. So if if her vote turnout is higher uh, than expected, it's going to help Lydia Lath. And, and gotcha. I think, you know, that that's one of the things, again, coalition building. So if she can drive Democratic voter turnout in a place like Corey, Pennsylvania, uh, that does tend to lean Republican. So if she can really energize people and she's been running an active campaign out there, uh, if she can get people to the ballots, they're going to vote for her and they're going to vote for Lydia Leith as well. And I think you could see Lydia actually emerge here, a, a victor. But I think you're spot on, Joel, in saying that Corey is is a
0: linchpin in in Lydia's Lydia's victory. Yeah, or or if Charlie can turn uh, turn Corey as well. All right, let's uh, let's talk about um, let's talk about sheriff before we get out of the county races here. This is a big one, and it's turned nasty. You again, all politics are national. To your point, you've got you've got Michael Bloomberg entering the Erie County sheriff's race. Go figure.
1: Yeah, who, who would have thought uh, five days ago that we were going to be on Michael Bloomberg's radar, but turns out we are, uh, or at least an organization that he plays a, a significant role in. And, uh, you know, looking at injecting some funding uh, for the race between uh, Campanelli and Shank. Uh, again an open seat you know because uh, you know the current sheriff is is is, is not on the ballot uh, has endorsed campanelli uh, and and so you know a really really interesting race um you know and, and campanelli's backed away from the money saying it's not going into his campaign so again it's really interesting to see the influence of outside money that may not even be directly affiliated or associated with uh, or or directly injected into a campaign. They're just lobbying for issues. And, yeah. and so we're going to see uh, what Erie County thinks of uh, when it comes to this.
0: Uh, so a really interesting race to, 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 to keep an eye on. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really wondering, again, when it comes to sheriff, what are the prevailing issues? I mean, sheriffs are the ones that, you know, you know that kind of help make the courts work. And so it is an administrative role. Oh, it absolutely is. I I think that, you know, we tend to think of sheriff as like the wild,
1: wild west, but somebody's got, you know, a revolver uh, on their side and a cowboy hat, and that's not, that's not the case for a sheriff, Uh, you know, and again, county providing a lot of services to people, human services and investing in human capital within the county. Um, You know, so I think that uh, the more and more we hear about uh, Brian Shanks past, the more and more voters are going to have to wrestle with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, his involvement with the state correctional institution, um, uh, so, you know, whether that plays a role, you know, we'll see, but I think we're going to hear a lot more of that, especially now with the outside money flowing in. Uh, that you're going to continue to see that. So it's going to be issues driven, you know, but it's also going to be a lot of character driving right. when it comes to this. So who is the right character for this? Who's the right temperament? I think that goes back to that perception. Do you want, uh, you know, a sheriff that's aggressive and, you know, already has the, you know, holster unlocked and is ready to go? Or do you want somebody, you know, even tempered? And and so I think we're going to see a lot of character evaluation in that race, maybe more so than we we would have in the past. But because of these two candidates, I think you're going to see a lot
0: of just. Uh, being cast along those lines, and, and less about uh, the actual job itself. And I think this is also one of those where turnout means a lot. Again, uh, if you're if you're out, if you're if you can get the Republican turnout, more than likely the Republican sheriff, the Republican clerk of records will just make a mention there. You've got Damadio versus Haynes. Uh, again, if if you can get the turnout in a, in a in a Municipal election—that's the key—and the Dems haven't always done very well with these uh, municipal elections, except in the city, of course.
1: Well, and that—that's right back to all politics is national. And yeah. so, look, the Dems just won the the presidency, the executive branch, and have control of uh, uh, the House and the Senate, uh, and, and and so you know, or, or the, the Senate uh, rather, with the 50-50 vote. So you know, they they've got some control right now. So you might think Dems are feeling a little complacent and could sit at home and sit this one out, you know, and I, that's not your super voters. That's your, you know, average voter of like, Oh, well, I voted in 2020. I'm feeling all right on this right. one. I'll sit it out. And, and so it really is about the turnout because there's still about a 20,000 registered voter plus to the Dems. That's you know, it. it's, it's 80, 86 and a half thousand to, you know, almost 67,000 Republicans. Now Republicans made gains. Uh, There've been more registered Republicans, not significant numbers, but they're making gains. We always talk about that in the city of Erie. It's a a nearly three to one margin. It's nearly impossible for a Republican to win in the city of Erie. They could try. And it has happened in the past, uh, but not for a while. Uh, But the county still overall leans Democratic. So if the Democrats just show up. They should win every election. Yeah. You know, if they if they're just voting along party lines and the numbers are just there, it's about getting them excited. And, and again, after you come off of a what what can be perceived as a big win in 2020 of winning back the White House, uh, you know, picking up seats in in you know both sides of Congress. They might take this election off and focus on the midterms. We always talk about that midterm swing, right, sure. where, you know, we we you know could see the Democrats lose losing more seats in the House and potentially lose the Senate. And then, you know, gridlock government for the next two years until we come back in 2024. Um, so it is it's about voter turnout. Are they excited? Are they engaged? And if the Dems show up, they could win.
0: Let's go down to some of the municipalities. Let's start with the city of Erie. Um, looking at city council, of course, the mayor is a foregone conclusion. He won on both sides. Uh, city controller is uncontested. Un, uh, so we've got we've got uh, six people going for four seats on city council. The only uh, the only incumbent is Liz Allen. I mean, we're talking about all new faces here. Um, Again, is this a Democratic sweep, or is there a chance for Brown or Lyons to make an impact?
1: So, I you know, I I don't want to write. Uh, I don't want to write browner lines off uh you know I, I wouldn't write a republican off just because so many seats are up and it's such a high volume of turnover i i think that if if you were asking me you know to to be sure better today i i'd find it hard to believe that liz allen loses right. you know she's topped the ballot each time for the democrats and then overall for voters I'd be really shocked if Liz, you know, she might not finish first, but I'd be shocked if she doesn't get reelected. Um, the numbers have just been behind her name recognition, community involvement, you know, a storied career in journalism. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd be really surprised. And I would disclose, too, she's a contributor to the Yuri Reader. And I'm, I'm here wearing my URI Reader hat as a contributing editor. But so I, I just looking at it from an, an analysis standpoint, it, it's hard to bet against her. Yeah. it's hard to rule out entirely a Republican, you know, but uh, and, and coming back to the point that you made earlier that I got so excited about mail-in ballots that I forgot about, you know, straight party voting, you know, that that was actually part of that that was cast out in act 77. And, uh, you know, in fact that we can't, I think that if if that was still a thing, uh, you could see it happening, you know, and just go in and vote Dems, Dems show up in numbers. They right. probably edge out either Republican or both. Um, but, you know, I think that they've got a better chance just by the volume of turnover and the newness of candidates running for election for city of council, city council of Erie, because again, high turnover, we're gonna have all new faces.
0: I feel like, uh, compared to 2017, this is a, or even 2019, this is a much quieter city council race. I remember, you know, slates being, uh, created and, uh, you know, uh, there was branding. You you had people that, you know, Joel Duderman, I think, put up some cash, you know, to elect a slate and so on. Where is all that this time?
1: Yeah, we saw a slate go through in the primary. Uh, o- only a couple emerged through then. Uh, we, we saw Erie County United <clears throat> put up a slate of candidates. And we, we do see Erie County United candidates across the ballot uh, for the city council race, for school board. Um, actually Lydia Leith has an affiliation with, uh, Erie County United. So does Tyler Titus. Um, you know, so you do see that and you actually see that across the state of Pennsylvania. I think for, uh, 25 of the different seats that they're running for in Western Pennsylvania, 24 advanced and, you know, so they had representation in that. So you're seeing that on a county wide or the statewide level actually work effectively, but, yeah, I, I got to go with you here, Joel, that it's quieter than usual. And, you know, the fact that you've got, uh, you know, you've got four open, six in, you know, I, I think that the Dems might just be coasting on the idea that they're going to get I it. So. Um, but it, it's so,
0: I, it's, Ben, it's so much different than the old three amigos and, and how uh, how lively those <laughs> those old races used to be with Maris. And, and uh, you know, uh, oh, my gosh, who's the guy that was the... Again. Mario bag, Mario, oh my gosh, yeah. Uh, was yes. a
1: uh, you know a firecracker <laughs> in the chamber. So Absolutely. I so I think Joel, we we have we we don't have the benefit of time talking mm. about this right now because if you were to ask me when you know if if it's going to heat up and then ask me when because I, I think there's the chance it does. I think the when is about a week out. Okay. You know, and and here here we're sitting uh you know uh weeks away from the election so i think that there's still that chance because there's often not a lot of money raised for a city council position there's not a lot of money to spend and right now the airwaves are going to be dominated by your marquee race you know and that's where all of the ad buys are right now then you're also seeing a lot of judge commercials you know you're seeing a lot of advertisement for judges as well so those are the two that you're going to see a lot from i think the city council candidates are probably waiting to then spend basically now into the election. So I wouldn't be surprised if you saw mail, you know, you saw flyers and you see a couple of TV ads and maybe some, uh, you know, billboards up throughout the city, but it is a quieter race than normal.
0: All right. Let's, let's uh, get to uh, a couple of the supervisor races, and then we'll go to school districts here. We're, We're down to our last uh, about five minutes or so with Ben Spagan as we talk about the election now two weeks away. And, uh, again, I'm just going to scooch down to townships here on the ballot here. Um, Again, there are competitive races, but, you know, like – Like in Fairview, uh, Justin Pekanski, one on both sides for township supervisor. Um, You know, same thing with uh, with Gerard Green and Greenfield. Now, Harbor Creek, we've got a race, although you've got a strong uh, incumbent there. You got Tim May, but Trevor Pearson is the Democratic candidate there. Harbor Creek, one of those stable townships, yet um, a competitive race.
1: Yeah, I, I, stable is a great word uh, for Harbor Creek. Uh, they, they've been smartly growing as a township mm-hmm. over the years, uh, You know, slowly adding population. Uh, but they, they've gotten some good uh, zoning practices in place of designating, here's agriculture, here's our business district, here's residential. Um, the supervisors have, have worked together fairly well out there. Uh, I'd, I'd be shocked. To see turnover, but it's not impossible. And again, looking at, you know, if ever there was a chance that there's gonna be. Uh, You know the Republicans going to be ousted by a Democrat. You know now might be the chance because Democrats might be more motivated to get to the polls because there's a county uh, county executive race uh, and in county council races. So uh, you could see Harbor Creek,
0: you know, potentially flipping because of the other races that are in play right now. Uh, The the open seat and and really the big marquee township race is Mill Creek Township. Kim Clear beating John Morgan in the primary. uh, Who is the incumbent? Uh, Kirk McCaslin is the Democrat. Uh, um, again, I would normally say Mill Creek is a purple, uh, a purple township. It could go either way. I'm not sure on this one though.
1: Yeah, so I so if you look at the primary numbers, um, you know w- what was surprising was how handedly Kim Clear beat uh, John Morgan, the yeah. incumbent. So those are six-year terms. So you know John Morgan was seeking his second six-year term. Uh, you know he notched almost twenty-six hundred votes. She had you know north of four thousand. You know, so there was quite the gap there in terms of uh, you know people voting for for Kim. If you total up. Uh, you know, on the Republican side, you know, the, the votes somewhere still under 4000 overall. So, you know, she beats both of the combined Republicans in the primary just by voter turnout. And, you know, again, I think because it's not an incumbent, I think it actually encourages voters to show up because they're not going to take it for granted. You know, if yeah. it was Morgan, you know, they might take for granted, you know, ah, I voted in the primary. My guy's out there. I'm going to do fine. But because the seats now open, uh, I, I think it actually encourages Democrats to show up for that, to, to guarantee that they win, because, Look, the other interesting thing about Mill Creek is that John Grow was just ousted the last election cycle. So you're wow. looking at turnover again in Mill Creek pretty quickly, uh, you know, now that you're going to have two relatively new supervisors out there. Um, you know, so it makes it a really interesting race. But, you know, Kim Clear moving from uh, county council into a, a township supervisor position really exciting I, I think people are and she's running a you know an active campaign uh, in Mill Creek I think you're gonna see the voters show up for that uh, I don't want to call it a lock but uh, I, I would be I would call it a, a significant upset if she does not win an uh, election
0: night. Uh, Sleppy versus Welka. Welka in Summit is the um, is the incumbent again. Uh, Summit's got everything going for it, and so it makes you wonder if they're ready, uh, you know, for a change. But uh, also, um, you know, they're again. It's all about turnout with this one too.
1: Yeah. There was only about a hundred vote difference, um, uh, between the two victors in the primary, you know, so it, it's a real toss up. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, there's a lot going on in summit. Uh, you know, summit has a chance to take a look at its its future as well. So, you know, that's one to watch, you know, it's hard to Definitely. call it right now to say one way or the other, uh, cause the margin was so different, uh, so slim in, in the primaries, uh, that that's one that's going to be exciting to follow election night and the days to follow.
0: It'll be interesting. Um, as far as, uh, Waterford Malinowski won a Democratic seat uh, uh, by write-in, I think, and Darren Smith is the Republican. We'll have to watch that one there. All right, i got to go back to school district, and I'm just kind of going to hit on Erie and on um, uh, Mill Creek here. Again, a lot of people to choose from for Erie City school director. uh, Daria Devlin is the only one that was – was nominated on both the Democratic and a Republican side. Um, but, you've got, but you've got some big names there. You've got Gostomsky on the Republican side, who's also running for the county council seat. And so, uh, you know, Gillespie, Tate, uh, Brenneman, Lundberg, and Sharif. What, what's your thoughts on school district?
1: Yeah. So I I think that the most recognizable name in there is Jay Brenneman. Yeah. Uh, You know, having been on county council, been the chair of county council, then run for mayor and then also run for uh, state representative. Uh, so name recognition clearly benefits him. Um, you know, I think this is where you're you're again seeing some of the Erie County United uh, candidates uh, have an impact on the primary election and now carry weight into this. What's really exciting to watch nationally, though, is is folks running for school school boards. You know, and in school director positions because you know we're seeing again and again and again on nightly news, folks showing up to school board meetings. Yeah. You know, suddenly we're paying attention to school board. More than we ever historically had in the past few decades, you know what what is being taught there, what rules and regulations around the pandemic, and you know for people to put their names out there and to run for these positions to work to ensure that you know folks you know students in our region get a good education, it's critical so. Pay attention to that race, uh, you know, see what shakes out there. You know, like you said, both, uh, both Mill Creek and, and Erie are the big ones to watch, but school director positions, you know, throughout the county are up.
0: Uh, Mill Creek might be more settled than I than now that I'm looking at it, uh, Ben, because uh, you've got uh Janice Philbeck and Gary Winchell and Mike Kabilka both winning on either side of the of the of the aisle there. And then you have really just uh news Newsham, Sally Newsham and uh Christopher Busco are, are the com- competitors there. Milk we were saying before you came on, Mill Creek has lots of fun with their school district uh Uh, there's their school board. Um, I I mean, do you think that they could? I mean, with with a more settled uh, approach, uh, with you know getting nominated on both sides, that they could kind of keep the keep the drama down a little bit out there. Uh,
1: well, I think you'd have to ask the candidates because I think you have to ask the candidates (laughs) this genuine question of you know, do you see yourself as a bipartisan? You sure. know, Do you see yourself operating on both sides of the aisle or are you just, you know, looking to maximize your vote count, you know, to win on one side or the other, depending on, you know, I'm going to attract both Republicans and Democrats and potentially independents and third party candidates. But, you know, I think that's what it is. So some candidates are, you know, being vocal that they're not on. Both parties—they're not representing both parties. They picked a party that's their political ideology, and, and this is who they are. You know, so I think you've got to ask the candidates. You know, do they, do they have a foot in each camp, or is this just an antiquated rule where we're allowed to run on both sides of the ticket, yeah. and we get people that can just maximize their campaign by doing such?
0: Less than a minute left here before the top of the hour, Ben uh What I mean, do you feel like we will get uh, some? excitement going because of the marquee race of the county executive and some of these other uh, competitive supervisor races?
1: Look, I'd love to say yes. I, I'd, I'd absolutely love to come on and say, look, it was a 50% turnout. I'd yeah. <clears throat> love that's to be awesome. excited about that. You know, And, and it, it's sad that we're going to get excited if it's north of 30, but that's national trends. Erie falls in line with national trends when it comes to municipal election turnout. That's something that we stand to change history here in Erie, Pennsylvania. Show up, vote. You've been
0: listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkEerie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkEerie.com.